Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's another Monday, another week. I don't know where you are in the country, but it's turning into fall, so some places are getting cold. And I'm in Florida right now, so of course it is not, but it is raining, so that sort of seems (laughs) like fall. Um, (laughs) I'm really excited today because we have a YA debut author on, and everyone who listens, you know I love debut authors. There is something so magical and exciting about that first book coming out, and I love sharing it with with all of you and with them. It's just it's a great energy. So, if you have not read Meredith's new book yet, you're in for a treat. And I'll just read her bio here so you can get to know her, and then I'll let her tell you all about the Jasmine Project. So, Marilyn Ireland is a Korean American attorney and writer, born in Seoul. She is a Rollins College and University of Miami School of Law alumni. She writes adults and children's books and is proudly represented by Lauren Abramo of Dysol, Godrich, and Burrett. I have no idea if I have pronounced their names right. (laughs) Her debut novel, The Jasmine Project, is out now. The forthcoming follow-up, Everyone Hates Kelsey Miller, is scheduled for fall of 2022. They're all from Simon & Schuster Books for Young Readers. Meredith resides in New York with her two children and a county fair goldfish who will probably outlive them all. I want the goldfish story now. Um, (laughs) You can learn more at her website. And I did put her website right there on the Blog Talk site. You can click it anytime if you're listening live or listening later. And check out her blog. She's got lots of great information there. And I believe she has a newsletter too, and you could sign up for that. And I don't want to delay anymore. Meredith, are you there? Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on today. I'm so excited that you're here. Do you want to tell everybody about the Jasmine Project and why they should run out and grab it this week? Sure. So the Jasmine Project, I guess the sum up would be it kind of reads like a warm hug. So it's it's, um, just a really fun and light contemporary romance um, that's really about self-love and self-worth most of all. So for Jasmine, she's this girl who is kind of settled for safe in all aspects of her life. Like she's been dating the same guy since freshman year of high school. She's going to follow in her mother's steps and become a nurse, even though that's not really what she's wild about. And she just thinks her life is okay. And then when she finds out that her long-term boyfriend has been cheating on her, she's just sort of going to roll with it and stay with him. And her family sees an opportunity to get her away from him and show her what she's worth by setting her up with three boys. And the only thing is that they don't tell her. And that's the Jasmine Project and um, shenanigans and hilarity ensue. So when I was reading up about the book, it, of course, in the blurb, talked about The Bachelorette. Is that kind of what inspired this, or where did you get this idea? Or did your family do this to you? <laughs> no, no, no. So they didn't do it to me. Um, Jasmine is adopted like I am. We're both um, Korean adoptees. Her family is half Italian. Um, my family is Italian um, and half Filipino. Oh. Um 
So the idea came from kind of putting a lot of things together that I love. Um, you know, I wanted an adopted main character where the story wasn't about searching for birth parents or origins, but just her falling in love, having fun. Um, and then I kind of am addicted to reality shows. Like, I didn't think so, but I am. Like, Love is Blind <laughs> on Netflix. And uh, like I did Snapchat. like that. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. So completely binged, like, totally fell for the whole party setup in, you know, the season two or whatever that's supposed to be the after um, episode. Yeah, it's the after thing. Because I think we love watching people fall in love. Like, I think you want to believe in it, even though, you know, it may not be real. Um, you know, it's just such a great thing to observe. And so when it came time to write this and my editor could have wanted to put a different skin and have this big family, um, that's where the Jasmine Project came from. Oh, I love it. So it was kind of like a collaborative effort once you got down to brass tacks there. Very much, yeah. I love it. And so when you were writing this book, did you already have it written and then you sold it and, and changed up adding the family or did that happen? You know, what happened first? Because I know from, from my experience with the debut novel, sometimes it's your first one. And so there are places that might be clunky. And so when you get into edits, you know, things kind of grow out of that. So did you do rewrites before, after, both? How did it work for you? I actually, I sold it on proposal. So I had written, I think, around 30 pages. And a synopsis, oh, my gosh. Uh, which is, it's really interesting to write a book summary of a book you haven't written yet. Um, <laughs> I was like, I think that's going to go here. Um, and then we kind of tweaked it along the way. Um, it was kind of a different route than most people take just having a very full book written and then um, going from there. Okay. Wow. I can't believe you sold a debut book on proposal. That's amazing. I did. It has, it has like a long origin story. <laughs> That's what happened. That's amazing. And so we talked a little bit before the show started, but I wanted to, I thought it might be interesting for the listeners. Um, Twitter played kind of a big part in your writing community, right? I saw you saw yes. the, you had the hashtag and do you want to tell the readers a little bit about how that all came to be? You pitched over Twitter, right? Um, yeah. So initially, um, Beth um, Dillon had come up with, DV Pit, which is um, was a Twitter pitching contest for diverse voices, and for the very first one, which we didn't know that there would ever be a second one, um, I had a manuscript that I um, wrote, and I, I'm going to say seven weeks, um, and tried to frantically revise to get ready for this event because because we didn't know there was going to be another one. This is not a great way to go about anything. Um, right. But, so I just um, pitched it. It had some editor attention. Uh, this was not the Jasmine Project. This was a different book. Um, that's the one that I signed with with my agent. 
Um, that one, unfortunately, never sold, but it did go to my future editor, and she really liked my writing style. She didn't like the overall concept, and then that's how we wound up selling on Proposal. Ah, see, I like it. So, because I think Twitter is a great way for um, if we have any readers who are listening who are dabbling in writing, um, getting involved in Twitter and watching those hashtags for pitch opportunities, for mm-hmm. um, you know manuscript wish lists and stuff like that. It's a great way to um, bring the publishing world right into your computer so that you can find opportunities, don't you think? Absolutely. I completely agree. And it's, you know, writing is so solitary and it's nice to like reach out in community, um, especially if you don't have like a strong writing group within where you live. Yes, for sure. And I was going to ask you about your writing journey because obviously from your bio, your background is law. So how did you get into writing fiction? What did that look like for you? So I've always written. It was mostly to um, to kind of sort things out that had happened along the way, like relationships that had failed or like stuff from um, when I was a kid. I never did anything with them. Um, and then I would say about five or six years ago, um, well, five years ago, I lost my best friend. And it was one of those moments where it's like life is too short to not go after what you want. You know, it can all be taken away from you very quickly. And so right. I started taking it seriously. I started getting involved in Twitter and the rest of it kind of just rolled along. You know, I did a lot of reading. I took a lot of, um, did a lot of critiques of other people's work. They did it of mine and just everything to just upcraft and, and get ready. I love that. And, did your best friend know that you wanted to be a writer? Yes, she did. And she was a writer. She wrote different things. She was more of a like reporter type of uh like non nonfiction narrative, nonfiction um was more of her thing. So we had very uh areas, but we love to read, love to write. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet she's super proud of you now. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I'm sure. And so do you have a whole bunch of ideas? I know in your bio there's another book coming next. Um, Yes. Are you going to continue this series, or is it just going to be the two books? Oh, so Everyone Hates Kelsey Miller is is a standalone. It's different from the Jasmine Project. Project Oh, okay. So Everyone Hates Kelsey Miller is – it's – Enemies to Lovers, it's an overnight road trip to the University of Pennsylvania um, for these two rivals for valedictorian um, to win back their exes. One has been ghosted by his summer girlfriend, and the other one has just kind of had this best friend fallout, and they're trying to win their exes back. Love that. And do you see yourself, do you love, is YA like right where your heart is? Do you have other ideas sitting in drawers? I, You know, do you have other genres that you want to take on? Yeah, I, I actually am working on a middle grade fantasy. Um, my kids oh, right at that age where they're starting to read middle grade. So I love writing something that they can read now. 
I don't know, maybe one day I'll do adult, mostly to be able to tell the jokes that I can't tell in YA, I think. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That would be great. And I'm assuming in the middle grade fantasy, is it still going to have that light feeling that your other books have, or do you have a secret dark side that you're going to bring out? Um, so it's going to, it is light. Um, it's going to, um, the one that I wrote, it kind of, in a light way, kind of tackles how we deal with grief, that you can have toxic positivity, like her dad, like they've lost um, her mother a couple of years ago, and her dad's been that, like, always positive, sunny, let's move forward, let's, you know, almost forget about what happened and that that can be really hard on a kid. Right. I I love that theme because I love that theme because I think as, as a parent myself and everything, grief is really hard because you don't want your kids to be sad, but when you, you know, sweep it under the rug and don't let them, you know, it does, it it is really hard. It's a hard balancing act of what to do with grief when kids are little. I love that. So I wanted to ask who inspires you? Like, who do you love to read that you read? And then you're like, oh, I have to go write something, you know, who are your go-to authors that inspire you to write? So I absolutely, um, I remember, I, I think about five years ago, I stumbled on Big Magic, that's Elizabeth Gilbert, um, and she's just, it's about, it's a memoir, I guess, about writing, but it's not a craft book. It's more of these anecdotes that I'm like, wow, this is this is great. Um, and then just writers who do their craft really well. Like I read... Um, Hello Universe, that's Erin and Trina Kelly's book, and it won a Newbery Award, I think. And it's middle grade, um, because because I read so much YA and I write YA, middle grade was new for me, and so trying to nail the voice was difficult. And I was reading right. her, the characters are just so quirky and wonderful, and the voice is so good, you want to go back through and read again to see how exactly she did that. Oh, that I love that. And when you are when you were getting started and you like joined Twitter and you decided okay I'm gonna write, who were some writers that you met along the way that really inspired you to keep going? Because it's really I don't know if readers realize um, that it's it's really a rough road of rejection to get a book out. <laughs> really um, they, there are so many rejections and so many people quit along the way because it is, it can be soul crushing sometimes. So, you know, it can it be takes, difficult, yeah. yeah. And sometimes an author that you respect and love who even gives you the tiniest, wow, you're really talented can be the push, you know, that you need to keep going. So did you meet any authors or publishing people along the way that really inspired you to keep going? Well, so your editor, <laughs> yes, that's what we were talking about, has always been super encouraging. Um, I would say early on, this is before I um, I even had an agent. Um, I wound up making friends with. Um, Karen McManus, whose house I'm in right now, um, who you oh. may know because she wrote one of them flying. <laughs> and um, 
and all the books that followed after. Um, and we have an event later today. So the writing community has been great, and it just really it bolsters you and just reinforces, um, you know, them saying, yes, I got all these rejections too has been great because it is a motivation to keep going when it gets hard. Yes, yes. I saw when I was poking around your website, I saw, I think, a blog post or something about how, you know, five years ago you were thinking about quitting and now, you know, the book is out and it really is a roller coaster ride like that when you're trying to get your book published. So I'm glad that you found some good support system. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So I wanted to ask you, I've been asking all the authors who come on about the strangeness of writing during COVID and kind of the overall feeling has been reading about dystopians are much more fun than living through one. But (laughs) how has living, you know, in the pandemic affected your, your writing? Some people like to go out and write in a coffee shop. And of course that's not happening now. And the pressure at the beginning, it was so scary. And, you know, how did that really affect your writing process or has it? So, because it's so light and funny and warm, it was like a port in the storm. Um, and I really hope, I love when a few people have already like responded to me and have told me that, you know, it reads like a warm hug. And that was something that I needed at the time when I was writing it. And I'm glad that it, it reflects that way. And I think every writer kind of had that moment of like, do, do we include this in the writing? Right. Like, do we make it? Like, should they have masks on? Like, what are we doing here? And everybody, like, the general consensus has been, unless you're writing specifically about it, treat it like it never happened. So it's right. very weird to, to write a book where 50 people are getting together when you're sitting alone in your apartment and, like, hoping that nobody comes to the door who is, like, right. touched anything outside. Like, it's, it's really, <laughs> it's very strange reading those beings Oh, okay. Hopefully Meredith will call back in. Obviously her call was breaking up there and, and now she's not on the dashboard. So hopefully she is calling right back in. Sorry about that. You guys, you know, about all of the technical, I I don't, know how cell phones work, but it does get crazy sometimes. Okay, I think Meredith is back. Here we go. Dropped out of nowhere. Meredith, are you there? I am. Yay, welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me again. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was thinking when you were talking about writing during COVID that I was writing a book and I was tempted about, I was like, do they have hand sanitizer? Should I have them have this? <laughs> but in the end, I haven't been We pretend like this happened or no? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think overall as a reader too, I feel like I'm living through it. When I read, I want to escape it. So I have yeah. been leaving out the hand sanitizer and the masks just because, ugh. When I read about werewolves, I want to not, I want to pretend that there's no, (laughs) there's no COVID. (laughs) Oh my gosh. 
Okay. Also, yeah. I was going to ask you about the, um, again, this is kind of COVID related, but since everyone has been shut in, we've all been streaming everything and all that kind of thing. Have you found some amazing, I don't know, I don't know if you, you said reality shows, but I don't know if you watch like the teen shows. I, I just binged uh, Never Have I Ever, and oh my gosh, I'm so in love with that show. I know I'm not the target <laughs> audience, but I, I was very invested. So glad it said it's getting another season. But do you have you discovered shows like that that you are you know that we should put to, on our watch list? Um, funny enough, so it's not teen, but I thought about the teen stuff is. Even if you're not the target audience, you were a teen. You can relate back to when. And it kind of brings you back to those moments. Um, the one that I've been binging, though, is about a serial killer. Like, pretty much, uh, he's now my favorite serial killer because I've watched it so much. Uh, but Netflix is You. Oh, You. I've heard about that, and I haven't watched it. It's really good. It's really clever and funny, and his inner monologue is so just spot on and it it kind of makes you forget or feel like what he's doing is acceptable it's really it's extremely interesting because it pushes that line like he's clearly stalking somebody and you're like but he's funny along the way and he's like saying all these things about social media and you know brooklyn and the rest of it so it was really very clever Yeah, you're you're the second or third person who has mentioned that to me. So I'll have to add it because, like I say, I just finished Never Have I Ever. It's adorable. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it. It's so I definitely it's, will. It's just That's great. been on my list of things. I, I feel like I keep watching the same things that I already know versus new things, but I have to break out of that. Right. And I do that, too, because comfort watching, right? Comfort, but, yeah, um, comfort watching. <laughs> my brain's done from writing, but I just want to, like, disassociate into my phone. There's something on in the background, but no, I have to break out. Right. Yeah, well, and and the idea about grief and kids is really covered really well in Never Have I Ever. It's it's oh, really good. fantastic show. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. It's not only funny, but it 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 really um I felt like it handled grief and all that in a really realistic way while still being funny. So, anyway, it's, oh. it's really well done. So, definitely worth worth watching and do you have uh have you gotten disney plus do you watch all of the they have so much content on oh, there yes. too. I have kids. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh you have kids yes so you are watching <laughs> oh yes i am you know it's like to have the entire disney vault uh available if they were just watching robin hood with like the fox one um mm-hmm. which i loved as a kid so it's, it's cute to see when they love it too yes yes and it's fun when your kids are growing up to be able to share things with them and watch them enjoy it because it's almost like you get transported back and you remember, oh, yeah, I love that too. <laughs> you can be Absolutely. seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask you about the um, – I wrote down when you were talking about you wanted to write about an adopted, you know, Korean adopted 
main character but not have it be an origin story and that Mm -hmm. stuck out to me because I think a lot of times I hear a lot of um, diverse authors who are talking about we we just want to be represented and get a happy ever after it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be you know like a suffer story and so I think it's really cool that you brought that out and you have an adopted person who's having a real life right Right, exactly, and I was so pleasantly uh, surprised, I was kind of shocked um, when it got chosen for Junior Library Guild, when it got a star review, because those organizations tend to love the books with kind of a moral lesson with uh, that do involve suffering and mm-hmm. that are a bit darker. Um and so I'm like, oh, my happy little rom-com actually is being, like, critically well-received. That's pretty amazing. Um, but it was really important to me because I don't think I've read another book that had an adoptee where they were just folding laundry and doing normal things and not on, like, a plane going to back to Korea to go search for birth parents or doing something along those lines. Right, right. And I think that sometimes when we hear representation matters, we think that means that, you know, that the person sees somebody who looks like them. But I think it's much bigger than that, right? Mm-hmm. And what, does the, what does that kind of mean to you? To me, so there was a really interesting article about windows and mirrors. And so one is looking from the outside in and the other one is reflecting your reality. And so I wanted to, because I'm adopted, because I know what it's like for adoption to transform your life, but it's not be about that. I wanted to give a mirror. I wanted to give the reflection of it. Right. Oh, I love, I love that. The imagery of windows versus mirrors. That's really a great way to, describe it and and I think that it's great that there is more especially YA and middle grade there are more books like that because when I was a kid and I was getting all my scholastic books I can't recall any that had different colored faces you know you know they just didn't exist yeah, so I love that it's all changing and, you know, kids can find other stories that reflect their life as opposed to, you know, suffering. <laughs> I think that's really cool. <laughs> because everyone should be able to have that. Yeah. One of the best things about Kidlet is how quickly they have um, accepted and adapted to reflecting the world around them. Um, adult is sadly a little bit slower. But there, it's starting. I can see it on the shelves and I can um, see it with Mexican Gothic taking off and books like that that are right. um, starting to make more waves and be more supported. Yeah, I, I have been seeing that too and I think it's really, really encouraging and um, in romance-wise, I know that, um, like, Harlequin Desire, gosh, the covers have been so fantastic at, you know, yeah, all yeah. different kinds of people and shapes and sizes. And it, it's just, it's been amazing watching those come out every month. I'm just like, wow, it's it's very encouraging. I, I 
I think it's great for publishing and for readers too to be able to really have a wide range of stories and be able to find something that kind of represents you and your reality yeah. and who you are. And I think that's it. It's not only important, it's fun. And it's fun even if they don't look like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoy I reading them. Agree. Yep. Yeah. We are quickly running out of time. So before we go, I wondered if you have any promotions, things coming up. I know you're at an event right now. Is How can readers <laughs> find you? <laughs> um, so tonight is just in person. That's in Boston uh, at Porter Square Books with Karen McManus and Six. Um, on Wednesday, I will be online with Justin Reynolds. He wrote The Opposite of Always, Early Departures, and I believe he's also, I think it's out, he wrote a Miles Morales book. Um, and so we'll be online, so it's available to everybody. Um, I will be at Yahoo Fest, which is also online. And then that's Friday. Um, and then the Morristown Book Festival, I'll be in person in Morristown in the beginning of October. Oh, my gosh. Yay. Well, have a great time and definitely soak up all of your debut excitement. I just, your book sounds fantastic. Everyone go grab the Jasmine Project and get ready for a big warm hug. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. It was great chatting with you. So good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.